Welcome to Outside Source Football, your inside look at the NFL. Listen to the latest predictions and happenings from the season with your hosts, Evan Mick and Gabriel Vondra. Here they are now. Hello and welcome to Outside Source Football with Evan Mick, Gabriel Vondrick, and Joseph Doherty. We're here to talk about, first off, the greatest team in all of football history, the Detroit Lions. Yes! Stop it. Lions have now won an NFC North title more recently than than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is something that we hadn't done before. Well, back then it was the NFC Central. Let's let's be... I thought it was Let's, the North then. I thought we were still the North. No, it was not. You have never won. No, it was called the Central. It was the NFC Central. Yeah, there were only there were only three divisions at the time. NFC North title then for the Lions ever. Great feeling. Truly had a Merry Christmas. The Lions won again. The Lions won again. Joe? Yes, they did. Oh, I'm so happy. War is over. And I'll tell you what, they did not play very great, but I don't care. They won. And that's that's all I care about. Uh John Kaminsky almost sold at the end there. You saw that one, Mac? Yeah, he tried to. He tried. He had to an opportunity ball. to had an opportunity to just fall on the ball and win the game, and he tried to scoop and score when we were up a up by six. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, Mullins had Detroit money line because he threw four picks. That was pretty fun. <laughs> but uh, but no, I'm I'm so happy. And finally, a holiday isn't ruined by the Lions, but instead made by the Lions, and that Hallelujah. that's the best part. Hallelujah! Jesus Christ is born, and the Lions won. <laughs> it's a great holiday. Do y'all want to hear anything from me on this one? Or are you just going to keep basking in the in the accomplishment of winning an NFC North title? I'm you know, that's, I think we can just I think we can just leave it there. I'm happy. The Lions do can we, lose out. Do we want to get into lose. it? I I mean, I had we I had can. some good things. All right, let's hear it. I'm okay. So first off, I mean, yeah, obviously you, you would like the Lions defense to be a little bit better overall. Forcing forward turnovers is great. Um, Mullins was incredibly aggressive the whole game. I mean, it seemed like every throw was going deep down the field. I mean, he threw for over 400 yards. But like we said, yeah, the interceptions, all of them were just being way too aggressive. And and then the last one was really ugly. It looked like the ball slipped out of his hands. I don't think it would have mattered because Justin Jefferson looked like he had about four defenders on him. Um, speaking of Justin Jefferson, incredible game. He's, you know, obviously had a tough season with the injuries, uh, but showed that he's just as, you know, just as talented, still as as good as anybody in the league in this one. And honestly, I think maybe the most impressive play that he had was recovering that fumble that the Lions should have just fallen on that would have ended the game. Yeah. But Jefferson runs back, recovers the fumble, and then on third and 27 makes an incredible catch between two defenders, balls above his head, can't even see it. And I just felt really bad for him at the end of this game. You could just see the disappointment on his face, the frustration, and yeah, but you know. Good for the Lions. Way well, you know what they drop. say. What's that? Womp womp. Go Lions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure as Lions fans, you don't have a lot of sympathy for anybody uh, after a tough loss. You've had plenty of those mm-hmm. in your time, but did did feel bad for Justin Jefferson. But this Lions offense is I – re- I really – I know they the guys aren't household names yet, a lot of the their playmakers on offense, but I mean, when you run down the list, I mean, I'm on Raw – Gibbs, Montgomery, Laporta, and Cleef Raymond, I think, is, is a really good player, really explosive guy. And Jamison Williams was even making – is it Williamson or Williams? Williams. 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 He was making some plays in this one. So, I mean, they're scary. They're just that they have so much talent on offense. If they can if they can finish games on offense, that was one thing. You know, they didn't really finish this game. They kind of had to leave it up to the defense to finish it. But, yeah, talent-wise on offense, they can they can beat anybody. Yeah, the yeah I was very – I was very excited to see that uh, um, Jameson Williams is getting more involved in the offense. I think he had five catches, which might be a career high. I think it is. 
Uh, and it's just, he's such a dynamic playmaker that getting him the ball in space is just, it, it's always good. And he's just making people miss all the time, getting that first down, uh, going in for a touchdown uh, in the first half. That was a, that was a clip that was circulating around. But no, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. But yeah, the defense really needs shaping up. And especially, uh, it's not the offseason yet. The Lions are actually in the postseason, but they, they really need to address defense. Now, I don't think that they even need to touch offense, honestly. They just really need, every draft pick should be a defensive player. Yeah. The Lions' safety room is amazing. Um, but other than that, the whole defense needs work. I mean, Melifanu has been great the last two weeks, and he came up off the practice squad. We still have Tracy Walker. We still have Kirby Joseph. You still have Brian Branch now, who looks like the best player on that defense. And you still have C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who I don't think will re-sign anymore because of how good the rest of our room is. But, I mean, when he was playing, he was good, and he's supposed to come back in a couple weeks. But other than that, D-line, definitely a concern. Um, we started sending blitzes, though, finally. They started realizing the D-line isn't good enough. And so I'm, I'm happy about the aggressiveness because I wish we would have blitzed more and, and earlier in the season, maybe our defense will look better. Uh, defense overall, definitely a concern. Uh, but Branch, like I said, Brian Branch, he's the, he's the star of that defense. So I think building around him will be really big for us in the future. As for the Vikings, I mean, you're on your third-string quarterback, and you might make the playoffs. A lot of credit to him there. Fourth-string quarterback, maybe even. Jefferson hasn't played most of the year. It's, it's difficult to be good. But if I was a Vikings fan for all those injuries – I wouldn't be mad about how the season is turning out, especially with like, I think their biggest thing is their defense was supposed to be like historically bad. And then Brian Flores comes in and he kind of just turned them around even with all their lack of talent. So I think that that was a really, really big move for them and uh, something at least Vikings fans can look back and be happy about. Yeah. As, as for this season, it, it's going to be tough for them moving forward. Um, they lost, lost Jordan Addison in this game. I don't know how serious that injury was, but it just came out today that TJ Hawkinson is done for the year, tore his ACL and MCL. So just more, more blows to that offense. That's, that's already quite depleted, but so yeah, you know, the outlook for this season isn't great. I mean, I know they're still, they're still in play that, yeah, they could still make a wild card, um, you know, get a wild card spot. Uh, I don't, I don't think that they will. I, I think that there's better teams, um, but, uh, you know, as, as for next year, I think all of this has shown that I, I think it would be smart to bring back Kirk Cousins. I don't, I don't think it's time to blow this up with the Vikings yet. You, you've, the defense has improved. Give Brian Flores an offseason to bring in, you know, more of his guys. And you have, you know, you have a ton of playmakers on offense. I know Kirk's getting up there in age, but I would bring him back on, you know, one or two-year deal maybe and then draft a guy to start uh, – start you know grooming and, and getting ready to take over once cousins is gone yeah about cousins people often like talk about how like game managers aren't usually like the best quarterbacks like it's it's kind of an insult but when it comes to the vikings you need like an elite game manager and that's kind of what kirk cousins brings to the table yeah exactly i mean that's you know the, the, yeah there's a lot of discussion about you know game manager versus you know yeah uh, you know other you know quarterbacks who can create more for themselves and I, I really don't think it should be an insult. I mean, yeah, there, there's certain guys that, yeah, they they create outside of the structure of an offense, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. But we've also seen this year guys be extremely effective, and mainly all that production comes from within the structure of the offense. I mean, look at Tua, look at Dak Prescott, look at Brock Purdy. Um, I know the last last two of those guys have um, had rough games this week, but and and you know the Cowboys have lost two in a row. But it's just a different style of playing quarterback. Like that's and it's a really effective way to play if if you can do it well. So I, I you know I don't I don't think that should be seen as an insult. That's just yeah, 
another way to play the position. Yeah, moving on to uh, Chiefs Raiders. Then Joe can talk about this one, and we'll let Joe go on his Florida vacation. In case you guys are tracking him, I'm just letting like Gabriel <laughs> do, take do we, over. Do we, do we have some crazy fans tracking Joe? Does he have to worry about that? Dude, dude, you just doxed me to all ten. <laughs> You're gonna get streams, and half, and half of them probably know the exact address I'm staying at. But, Hi, mom. The, the, Vi- the Vikings <laughs> fans are are gonna be trying to. <laughs> Seriously. All right, Chiefs Raiders, Gabriel, take it away. Oh uh, yes, this was this was a glorious day, a glorious Christmas day, in my household for sure. It's not often that the Raiders beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. I, and actually in the Patrick Mahomes era, they've only beat the Chiefs once. So this is definitely a rarity. But not just beating them, but the way they beat them, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful. The The offense really didn't do much at all. They didn't complete a pass after the first quarter. I think they were the first team since 2000 to win a game having not completed a pass after the first quarter. But it didn't matter because the Raiders' defense was so good. This was... I've been watching the Raiders. I've seen, I would say, every game for the past 15 years plus. This was the most impressive defensive performance I've ever seen from them. The way the way they played from start to finish, um, and especially yeah, considering who they were playing against, just incredible. The the pressure was all over Patrick Mahomes. I think by the uh, the AWS like tracking players, Mahomes ran something like 835 yards total in the backfield. He was just he was scrambling the whole game. Uh, they got, I think, four sacks, the fumble return for a touchdown, and then the very next play from scrimmage, they get a pick six. And that was the difference in the game. I mean, the Raiders won 20, 20 to 14, and for a long time it was 20 to 7. And, yeah, the two touchdowns came from the defense. The offense was only able to get two field goals the whole game. So dominant defensive performance, great game from Crosby. Malcolm Koontz, the other edge rusher, really coming on, had three sacks. Jack Jones now a pick six in back-to-back weeks. Uh, just beautiful. And then, you know, as for the Chiefs, we've been saying this for quite a while now. They have, they seem to have problems on offense that they just can't fix this year. And, and they don't want to, they don't seem to want to admit that they're not an explosive offensive team anymore. You know, the, the, the turnover they had, the fumble was trying to run this little trick play from their own nine yard line where, yeah, it was a direct snap to the running back who was then handing it off to Mahomes. And yeah, you get a mishandled snap and yeah, it turns into a touchdown for the Raiders. Follow it right back, you know, instead of, okay, we just gave up a touchdown to the defense. You know, most teams would probably run the ball there. No, they instead run this sprint out pass that turns into a pick six. It's like, why, why, I don't understand why, yeah, they're trying, I, it's like they're trying to capture the offense that they've had in years past. And it's just not who they are right now. I mean, this team, the Chiefs defense had a great game. Like I said, they held the Raiders to six points. Raiders couldn't throw the ball. The only bad thing for the Chiefs defense was that they couldn't get off the field at the end. The Raiders were able to run it out and, and pick up first downs and, and take a knee. But other than that, the Chiefs defense was was all over them. Like I said, the Raiders offense didn't do much. Um, but the Chiefs, the Chiefs offense, it was what lost the game. I mean, yeah, you you give up, yeah, two turnovers um and two scores to the opposing team. Like they, they need to be a conservative offense. They need to try to run the football. They couldn't run the football in this game. I think they need to get more creative in the way that they run the football and they need to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quicker. It seems like every time he drops back to pass, he's hanging on the ball forever. He's running around. He's running around. Pass protection is not great. They just, they have to find a way to keep games close because uh, their defense will keep games close and then rely on Mahomes to win games late, you know, be clutch late in the game, which, which he has been in his career. And he was yesterday. He led them on a touchdown drive to cut it to six points. But that's the way that they have to win. They're not going to score 40 points against teams. It's just this offense, it's not what it's been. And I, I think they need to they need to play 
within the flow of games and, and, and trying to win games. Like that's why the Raiders won yesterday. They understood the flow of this game and didn't try to be, they didn't try to be something that they weren't, they weren't trying to throw the ball. I mean, they only threw 10 passes after the first quarter and yeah, none of them were completed. They, they ran the ball, they ran the clock and, and they, you know, they forced the chiefs to try to drive it. They didn't give up big plays. They, I mean, yeah, they had a formula for winning the game and, and they executed it. Yeah, I mean, I saw a stat that was like the Raiders are the first team since something long, long time ago, maybe since you were born in like the 1700s, uh, to to win a game without completing a pass in the second, third, and fourth quarter. It, it, uh, was, like, two, like that, it was 2000 was the year. That was, so. that was crazy. I, I was born, but yeah, I was very young. In the, in the first three plays, I mean, the Chiefs basically in their offensive plays, uh, like fumbled the ball like three times and they ended up recovering all of them, having to punt. The next drive, Kelsey had a drop, and then they had a false start, and then they had an offensive offsides. So all in the first two drives, which were both three and outs, uh, they ended the first quarter with the least amount of yards since, like, 1982, I think the announcer said, because it was negative yeah, it was 18 yards. Negative 18. Yeah, negative 18. Really it was an ugly game in every fashion by the Chiefs' offense. And this is, you know, Kansas City, who we remember as being this offensive powerhouse. And, I mean, they did pick it up a little bit on maybe, like, one or two drives. Like, it wasn't. Yeah. this bad the whole game but it was pretty bad the whole game and i'm a guy who likes to talk a lot of scheme but this seems like internal self-inflicted constant wounds it's like unfixable by coaches you know it's not it's not a lack of talent it's just you look at like the numbers in the eye test and it's like okay everything's not maybe great but it's not that bad and then you watch the game and you're like why did they do that why would they do that why would they do that like every third play and it's just it doesn't make any sense this is this is the game right here. These guys like it almost looks like they just don't want to play or like they're not prepared for the game or something. Like they're, well, too they're, they're there's just I think yeah, there's a frustration right now in the Chiefs that they're just not used to. I mean, they're three and five in their last eight games. Yeah. And so yeah, you see Mahomes yelling at the offensive line on the sideline. You see Travis Kelsey, you know, slamming his helmet down and it, you know, bouncing up close to the stands. I mean, there's this team is really frustrated. And, and, you know, Andy Reid was getting it into it, getting into it with Travis Kelsey after that incident on the sidelines. So they're, it's, it's not a position that they're used to be in. They're not, they're not used to being in, yeah, losing games this late in the season and nothing seeming to work on offense. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we say this all, they're still at the top of their division. They're still a good team, but it's just, it's, it's something that they've, you know, a situation that they've been in. Definitely some frustration. Now, Actually, if the Chiefs lose out and the Raiders win out, the Raiders could win the AFC West. So that's not it's not out of the picture. It's still possible. I know, I know. they're still in the hunt, which is crazy. Uh, to talk scheme a little bit, Raiders have one huge thing going for them uh, with their new head coach. They seem to be the most defensively prepared team I've ever seen. I mean, jumping routes, being ready for like every screen, every mo- It's like they know what play is coming. Uh, two touchdowns on back to back defensive plays. And in their last game, two touchdowns on three play. Like, I mean, their defense is just their defense is dominating. The offense is not they've, is not that good. They've, got they've some stars dom- there, but the defense is what's dominating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the defense is is the reason that they've yeah had the, had a the little bit of a turnaround here. I mean, even you look at the games that they lost. They lost to the Vikings, and the defense only gave up three points. They lost to the Dolphins, and they held the Dolphins to twenty points, and they forced a bunch of turnovers in that game. So yeah, they've they've played well pretty much since Antonio Pierce took over as the head coach. And and I would give even more credit to Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator. You know, all, all, Antonio Pierce, I think, has infused a lot of life into this whole team. 
and got and gotten everybody you know fired up and and excited to play. But it's you know it seems like Patrick Graham has since Josh McDaniels has left has been given you know full reign of of and, and freedom on the defense to do what he wants to do in the defense. And it's it's looked great. It's looked really good. And like you said, yeah, guys, guys, yeah, just seem to be better prepared than yeah, like I said, I've ever seen from a Raiders defense. So very very encouraging. Yeah, moving on to Saints Rams. Uh, Matthew Stafford has continued to prove this year that he's an elite quarterback. I mean, his ability to go from like one target to another, like he can be aiming at the left sideline and then all of a sudden in just a split second, just accurately throw the ball to a player coming across the field on the right sideline. And that's just, it's, it's, it's the most impressive thing to me about his game. Uh, huge credit to Kyron Williams. Uh, this McVay scheme is not always easy for running backs, but if somebody figures it out like Todd Gurley did, they're going to be elite. Like that's just how it is. And this offensive line also looks much better than it did last year. Uh, I actually thought Carr played a, a pretty good game. It just didn't seem to matter because the Saints kind of got dominated in pretty much every other position ex- until like the fourth quarter. Almost able to make a comeback, but the Rams were able to run the ball, even facing a stacked box, which is really important come playoff time. Uh, and along with them being able to slash being willing to throw the ball on third and one because they have that much trust in their quarterback to make a smart decision. Like that's just it's a they're they're a dangerous team, whether they're ahead or they're behind. 100 percent. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Basically, my my same takeaways from this game, I, you know, the Rams offense was really sharp, especially early on. They, they got a huge lead. I think they were up 27 to seven or even 30 to seven at one point. And for the Saints, you know, it's it's been the story of this season. Miscues on offense, whether it's from Carr, whether it's from everybody else. Um, I agree that, yeah, I, uh, outside of the bad interception that Carr had, I thought he played a really good game. And un- unfortunately for them, the comeback just started too late. You know, they didn't. They, like I said, yeah, down 30 to seven in the middle of the fourth quarter. And then they're able to get two touchdowns and cut it to an eight point game. And then they can't get the ball back. They can't get the ball back on offense. Um, the Rams defense, the Rams offense was able to end the game and, and knee it out. So, yeah, I, I, I really agree about Stafford. And I'm looking at the other teams in the NFC. I don't know if there's any quarterback that I would rather have right now than Matthew Stafford. I think I trust him more than any other NFC quarterback out of these playoff teams. You think about Purdy in the 49ers, you know, Purdy had a horrible game last night against the Ravens. Dak in the Cowboys, Dak's had a really nice season, but they've lost two in a row. Jalen Hurts in the Eagles won one last, you know, last night against the Giants or two days ago against the Giants, whenever that was. Um, but it hasn't looked great for the Eagles. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I think I think Matthew Stafford is yeah who I as a quarterback who I would be the most afraid of in the NFC right now. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Prescott's really close, but I, I definitely do agree. Uh, moving on though to Bengals Steelers, this is not how I thought this game was going to go at all. Uh, Bengals might have just played themselves right out of the playoffs with this one. The Steelers' offense wasn't very consistent. They just had a lot of big plays. It's not a sustainable way to run an offense, but they they had a they ran the offense well. They had a good offense, not sustainable through like many games. Like I don't think that this will become a pattern, but definitely a solid game by them as an individual game standpoint. Uh, the I, defense. I oh, go ahead. Defense though, some some defensive turnovers really led them into some good scoring position, which is why really they were able to put up so many points, even more so in their big offensive plays. Got after Jake Browning a lot. The first quarter, I thought, you know, huh, the Steelers pass rush has kind of, you know, been quiet. And the second quarter on, the Steelers pass rush, like Jake Browning had no time at all. He was really, really getting pressured. Maybe because that's they knew he had to throw because they were down, but 
they were making some really big plays, especially that D-line, forcing him into some some bad throws. Uh, definitely Browning's worst game. They really tried to take the ball out of his hands after the first interception, which didn't quite make any sense to me. You're down already. Now you're down two scores, and you're trying to take the ball out of the quarterback's hands. It's like that's when you really need him to step up, even if you're still going to lose the game. At least lose the ball, lose the game with the ball in his hand. So they threw so many screen passes. Maybe the most screen passes like I've ever seen in like the first half. And it was like the first two were like, oh, yeah, great job, screen pass. And then they kept calling them, and it's like, oh, 10 yards, 9 yards, 2 yards, 1 yard, 1 yard, negative 2 yards. Like, teams are going to figure out after, like, screen pass number three that a screen pass is coming. One last thing I will say is that missing Chase, Jamar Chase, substantially hurts this offense. And, I mean, to me, it almost looks as if Chase has more positive influence on this team than Burrow does. And I'm not just basing that off of this year. That's like a pattern, something that I've already had kind of said before, but this game definitely, you know, makes you look at it as an even stronger point, but I, he might have more influence on this offense than Burrow does. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's a bad take because a player like Jamar Chase opens up everything else for for all of all, all the other players in the offense, right? You know, if he's getting double covered every play, that means that, yeah, there's less attention on T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon in the running game. It's the same thing with you know with any great receiver you know you look at Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison this year Jordan Addison has had his best games when Justin Jefferson is also there taking attention away from him so I mean yeah those things go hand in hand I, th- I think he pretty much covered everything yeah you know George Pickens huge day I think he had he put up a Randy Moss kind of stat line four catches for almost 200 Thanks. yards and, and two touchdowns all, all big plays and Jake Browning yeah I, I feel like that's been a recurring theme this season you know a backup quarterback kind of steps in plays well for a few games we all get excited and then they crash back down to earth so we'll see if Browning is able to bounce back from this and play well next week obviously the Bengals need to to keep their playoff hopes alive they play the Chiefs coming up next week not going to be an easy an easy defense to play against um, and as for Mason Rudolph and the Steelers I thought it was the best game that we've seen from a Steelers quarterback of course, that's not saying a whole lot this season. Yeah, not a high bar, but but good for him. And, and the other thing is the the Bengals had a few drives get into the red zone early in this game in, in the first half and came up with zero points. You know, the first time they threw they threw an interception in the end zone, and then the second time they were already down twenty one to nothing, and so they're going for it on fourth and goal and aren't able to score. So the, you know, those were two play or two two drives that could have made this game a lot closer and kept kept things interesting. But because they came up empty, the Steelers were able to run away with it. So, and we'll see how things shake out for these two teams in the AFC North. Both of them still still on the bubble as far as is getting into the playoffs. Yeah, moving on to Chargers Bills. Chargers absolutely in their bag this week, at least formation wise. On the first quarter, they ran full house, a swinging gate formation, which is like they only had like three offensive linemen in front of the quarterback, and then a whole bunch out to the left in front of a receiver. Uh, they designed quarterback runs. Uh, they they ran Eckler as Wildcat quarterback. They were just they were just trying things, see what they could see what was, if anything was working. It's the interim um, coach effect, you know. Yeah. You're, you're pulling out you're pulling out all the stops, right? Yeah, their offense though not really like good at all. Like it, it was the Bills made some huge special teams mistakes, which gave the Chargers uh, a couple short fields. This was by far, though, the best game by the Chargers defense. Going from giving up 63, and yes, I know that those weren't off offensive, to keeping one of the league's top offenses to 24 and forcing three turnovers on all their turnovers led to the scores, which is what was able to keep this game so close. Already seeing defensive improvement from some coaching changes that were made. 
the Bills, though, able to overcome their three turnovers, which is really difficult to do. But ball security terms, they just got to be better. I mean, you play a, a more talented team, you're going to lose this game. James Cook is a really, really talented guy running the ball, but he has some fumble problems and he's dropped quite a few passes. And so I don't know what you the coaching point is there. Hold on to the ball better, catch the ball better. But just like it's something that it has to get better or it's something that could lose them a game because he's the type of player who's he's really good. He could win them a game, but he could also absolutely, you know, drop the ball on the end of the fourth quarter where it means something. And so the whole team needs to be better. Definitely as consistency goes, because you won't beat any good teams playing like this. Yeah, that was essentially my takeaway too. The Bills play a sloppy game, does not look good. They're still able to win, so that's that's good. But you get the sense that maybe they were overlooking this one. You know, Chargers coming off of a historic loss to the Raiders. Head coach is fired. It seems like everything's falling apart for them. And I'm sure the Bills are, you know, thinking, that okay, this is, we're not going to lose the Chargers. And, you know, the Chargers came out, yeah, playing, playing pretty inspired, especially on defense. Um, obviously wanted to you know, show, play, play for some pride after they're showing a week ago. Um, so I'll, I'll give them credit there. But yeah, the, the Bills in, in the end were able to win it despite not playing very well. And, you know, it's interesting that the play late that uh, was a initially ruled a touchdown on that last drive, the third down play, and then got overturned, uh, really helped the Bills because had it had it been a touchdown, yeah. there, was a lot more time, there was a lot more time for the Chargers to potentially, you know, go down and get a touchdown. Um, not that I think they would have, but I mean, you have a chance. chance. Instead, the Bills are able to run the clock out to 30 seconds left and then kick a field goal. And, you know, the Chargers are left with a lateral play, which, you know, that's not not really a high chance of winning a game in that situation. Yeah, moving on to Colts-Falcons, really rough game for the Colts. They could not tackle defensively at all. Huge issue for them all game. And I mean, a lot of credit to the Falcons because, I mean, Bijan's hard to tackle. And they finally were able to get him the ball in the open field. I thought better this game. Colts didn't run the ball well at all. And I think you could definitely tell that Pittman was missing. Once again, another one of those things where it's like that wide receiver one missing has just as much influence as a quarterback. Obviously, he's not Jamar Chase. But it had a huge – like you could tell because of what a big threat downfield Pittman is, and they had none of that this game. This Falcons offense and the whole Falcons team is actually pretty good with with a healthy Taylor Heineke. Unfortunately, they couldn't have realized that earlier in the season, Desmond Ritter was never really their guy. But the last couple of weeks, if they did want to start him, Heineke got hurt. And now they're just kind of scratching for a playoff spot on the outside, very much looking in. They need a lot of things to go right and for them to win out, which I think they could do with Heineke. I think if Heineke was a starter earlier, they would have been a better team most of the season. He was able to get the ball to Pitts and to Robinson out in space where they're good, in good places. Uh, just give them a chance at it. Falcons defense has been pretty good all year, too. I mean, Jesse Bates has been phenomenal. He was a great signing. Bengals really missing him a little bit defensively. But between him and their pass rush, it was a great defensive week for them overall and a huge win to at least give them a chance to playoffs. Yeah, um, I, I think you pretty much covered it all there. I, I have yeah, great defense from the Falcons. Run game um, on offense kind of controlled it. You know, that two-headed monster with with Robinson and Algier. And Heineke was efficient and, and able to get to the ball to, like you said, Pitts, Robinson, and, and Drake London as well, who's, who's an excellent receiver. Uh, very, very disappointing for the Colts uh, in, in a week, AFC, a terrible week for the AFC South. Uh, no, nobody played well. 
in the AFC South. And, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, it looked like, wow, it's it's going to be a tight finish. And, and everybody was, everybody had a really good record. And now they're all sitting at eight and seven or, yeah, I think, I think everybody, everybody's eight and everybody's seven. Eight so. seven. So it's still close, but they've all lost a lot of games late. So still going to be interesting, but not, not as good of a division as we thought, but you know, with the Colts, it's been it's been an up and down season. You know, they've had games where the offense looked great, and they've had games like this where yeah, they really get shut down. So, and it's it's not going to get any easier for them next week playing against a Raiders defense that looks like the best in the NFL. <laughs> okay, maybe not the best, but whatever, one whatever of the best. you say, whatever you whatever you need to tell yourself. What a, one one of the best, and then I think they play the Colts play the Texans the last game of the they year. Play right? the Texans. That'll be the game that decides. I think that, yeah, I, I agree that that'll probably be the game that decides it, unless, you know, the Jaguars can do something. But I don't know if we're going to talk about that game, but that was ugly. Well, Jag, Jags, Buccaneers. Moving on to though to Browns, Texans first. Uh, Texans without Stroud don't have much of an offense, but they are definitely better with Davis Mills than they are with Case Keenum. First three quarters with Keenum, their only score was a kick return touchdown. Hopefully Stroud does come back, though, because I do kind of want to see this Texans team in the playoffs. But, I mean, they had a lot of injuries these last couple of weeks. And losing this game, you know, no surprise really to most people they lost this game. They were just in a kind of a rough spot. Now, I'm going to let Gabriel talk about his favorite player in the league, Joe Flacco. It was a beautiful day for Joe Flacco. And he played just a quintessential Joe Flacco game. Extremely aggressive, pushing the ball deep down the field. And Amari Cooper was his target more often than not. Cooper had a historic day, I think, put up over 260 yards and two touchdowns. It was a franchise record for the Browns. This thing was over in a hurry. I think it was 36 to seven at one point in the, the Texans only touchdown was on a kickoff return. So great day from the Browns dominating performance. The Texans got a couple of garbage time touchdowns, but, and Flacco again had two interceptions. Uh, the, and these were probably his most forgivable interceptions because the Texans kicker, uh, not Texans, the Browns kicker, got hurt and they knew they had no kicking game uh-huh. so it was like well we're not gonna we're not gonna kick a field goal and we can't kick an extra point or we're not punting anything so yeah like it was basically we'll just be aggressive because we're not going to kick a field goal anyway so you may as well throw it deep and that's that's how we threw the interceptions yes yeah, good credit to the browns uh getting a little bit creative on offense pj walker out there to run the ball a couple times uh, going in a wildcat even with pj walker or joe flacco Obviously, Walker ended up wasn't it, wasn't it DTR? Or sorry, DTR. I don't know why I said PJ Walker. And unfortunately, he got hurt. He's. I just saw today that he was put on IR for the rest of the season with a hip injury. So that that kind of hurts because that was a nice little wrinkle they had. Yeah, it was. I was creative. I gave him the the creative, but overall, did not run the ball super well. Uh, just passed the ball really well. Phenomenal game by Amari Cooper. Uh, just shout out to the Broncos for losing their uh, second straight game. This time to the Patriots. With the playoffs on the line, just an absolutely horrific that, loss by them. That was an ugly game. Uh, the first half was really bad. I think it was 7-3 to three at halftime. We were able to at least get a little bit of offense going in the second half. It's always discouraging when your high-paid quarterback, Russell Wilson, who you sold the farm for, cannot put a drive together late to get a field goal to win the game. And instead, Bailey Zappi is able to get into field goal position and win the game. And I was I was really happy for the Patriots kicker. This guy has had a, a rough season, and if he was on a team that was more competitive, he probably would have been cut for somebody else. But I think they were they're just kind of riding it out with him because he was a draft choice. 
But I think coming into the game, he's something like 13 for 20 on the season, which is not good in the NFL in this day and age. And I think he missed two kicks in this game or, or a kick and an extra point. But it all went away when he made a 54-yarder, 55. It was over a 50-yard kick to win the game for the Patriots. So really excited for him, happy for him. I, think was, I believe his name is Chad Ryland. And, That's his name. Yeah. And uh, Bailey Zappi. Zappi holidays to the Patriots. Hurting their draft position a little bit more. Moving on to Bucks Jags. Huge win by the Bucks. Kind of rolling here. Lawrence having two picks and a fumble and then going out really hurts, especially against what has been a pretty bad Jags defense for most of the year. Bucks. Bucks defense. Bucks defense for most of the year. Yeah, this one was ugly. 30 to zero at one point. Did the I think the Jags eventually scored. But hor- horrible game from Lawrence, bad interceptions. And like we've said all year, there's even when the Jags were winning, there was there was just some sort of something about them we didn't really believe. And the mistakes, the sloppiness, it's just getting worse. And in this game, yeah, the Bucks defense totally capitalized on it. They looked great, getting pressure, forcing turnovers. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Mayfield was really sharp. Now two weeks in a row. And look out for the Bucks. They could they could do something, you know. They were this team was four and seven, and now they're sitting here at eight and seven. They've won four in a row. I definitely the favorite in the South. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, it'll be a good game this week though between them and the Saints for basically the playoff spot, depending on what happens. Yep. Obviously, week seventeen. Uh, but Bucks rolling, not their run game. Looked like it took a little bit of a step back. Now, I will say they had to run the ball. Not they had to run the ball at the end of the game, but like they were running clock at the end of the game. So obviously yep. playing against stack box. Stats don't look as good as, you know, as they should maybe. But, I mean, the Bucks' pass game looks looks great. Two yeah. great wide receivers, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. I mean, can't forget that. Bucks wasting a lot of clock. Not Rashad White's best game, but he's been pretty good most of the year. So, mm-hmm. definitely, I still see them as a first-round playoff exit because I know they'll have to play the Cowboys the Eagles. But I, I could see them – I could definitely see them upsetting the Eagles and maybe even the Cowboys. Like I said, Baker is playing really well. This is probably the best I've seen him play since his rookie season in the NFL when he, when he sort of took the league by storm and and played, was playing at a really high level. And, you know, it's been a lot of bad, a lot of up and down since then, but he looks really good. He looks comfortable. He's confident. It looks like, you know, this team believes in him and the coaching staff and ownership May even believe in him. You know, you're just hearing reports that they're talking about getting an, you know, a long-term deal done. Don't know if that'll happen, but things things are looking good in Tampa Bay right now. And as for the Jags, I think this one it, it falls back on Trevor Lawrence. Like you're the first overall pick, you need to be way better than he's been in order for them to win. They're still not out of it in the AFC South. Things, uh, you know, we already talked about. They're all basically tied right now at eight and seven. But I mean, dude, you got to step up. You got to step up and you got to play your best these last two games for in order for the Jags to stay alive. Yeah, hopefully he can even play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, moving on though to Dolphins Cowboys, great game. Actually, a pretty fun one to watch. Uh, Dallas offensive line was horrific. Dak was under pressure all game, and they had no run game to help Dak out at all. I thought Dak Dak actually played a fine game. I did. Uh, I did too. But best game I've seen from this Miami defensive unit especially that D-line. Yeah, this one tight. I mean, I think we all were expecting a higher scoring game for sure, but you know, these you weren't you weren't expecting a higher scoring game? No, I thought I thought this game would be like 28 to 9 to like 18. 
for the Jack. Okay. I, I didn't even think Miami was going to score 20. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. So. Yeah, this was – I think, yeah, the opening drive for the Cowboys really that ended up hurting them because, yeah, they had this great drive. They pick up a fourth down, and then Tony, Tony Pollard on, on a second down run – or first down run looks like he's about to walk into the end zone and then can't can't get in. He gets gets yeah tackled down on the one inch line, and it, it just looked like the kind of run where if the effort or or the the urgency to get in the end zone was a little bit more, he should have scored easily. And then they have a fumble on the next play where they're trying to hand off to the fullback, which I really don't like that play call. Your fullback who I think has like five or six carries the whole season. You're gonna hand it to him on this on this short short yardage. Yeah, but Pollard can't score. Yeah, but I mean, really, like a handoff to the fullback, and it was a, it was a quick handoff too. I mean, the fullback was only like a yard or two behind the quarterback behind Dak. Yeah, and so, yeah, you get you get a fumbled handoff. So that that was a huge huge missed opportunity. C.D. Lamb started the game really hot and wasn't able to get going again until late in the game. Of you know, overall played really well. And like you said, I thought Dak played well too, given given the circumstances. It was. It was tough sledding. They were getting after him, and he leads them on that, you know, that great drive at the end of the game, assisted by a goal line pass interference to extend that drive. But, yeah. you know, made a great throw to Brandon Cooks. But, yeah, un- unfortunately for the Cowboys, Tua, Tua is able to lead him down and get into field goal, field goal range. And for me, yeah, the MVP of this game was Jason Sanders, the Dolphins yeah. kicker, who oh, went five of, five of five on the day and – I mean, yeah, was was the difference was the difference in this game. I, you know, Tua played well, was efficient for the most part. The the Cowboys didn't get a ton of pressure on him. He was getting the ball out quick. I think he was only sacked maybe once, one or two times. So Not a lot. good game, good game for the Dolphins, though. They're finally finally beat a team that's that's looked at as as a contender. So good game for them. And, and unfortunately, yeah, for the Cowboys now have dropped dropped two in a row, and it's it's going to be difficult for them to win the NFC East with the Eagles remaining schedule being Cardinals and Giants. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins had a great game plan for Micah Parsons in the run game. Uh, if you're running away from him, you just block down and then just slow him down enough because you're running away from him anyways. But when you're running towards him, they just had like the, the second guy block him, never the guy who was facing him. Uh, it was like watching like a receiver stick his hands out at the very last second to catch a ball. That's how I felt like their game plan was for Parsons. They were waiting until the very last second possible to block him, so he had as little time to react and make a play on the ball. I thought it was a great game plan. They had a couple. Well, I, mean, I think that's the idea with a lot of these these dominant pass rushers is to run it at him because a lot of times they'll take themselves out of the play by flying up the field, and it'll, it'll make it easier for them to get blocked. Um, or, yeah, like you said, you know, basically crack, cracking with another guy. So, yeah, it is it is a smart way to to attack those guys who, you know, they want to pass rush. Yeah, except Max Crosby. A lot of credit to Max Crosby. Except, well, Crosby's excellent against the run, too. He's he's He just does everything. Yeah. Dolphins had a couple really big negative plays. So the Dolphins, in my opinion, they depend a lot on their misdirection, which works out for them a lot. But in the run game, especially with those end-around runs, it can, it can cause a lot of negative – big negative plays like minus six minus seven yards when the defense isn't fooled they're just kind of they're just kind of they leave themselves exposed yeah another game though that back-to-back games for the dolphins where they had great clock management uh nobody really you know talks about clock management i don't think enough it's such a big thing when it comes to the playoffs and when we get really close and this is back-to-back games where the first year first year head coach mike mcdaniel second year 
Second year for Mike McDaniel. Sorry, second year head coach. Yes, because Tua was there. And then got, yes, second year head coach Mike McDaniel at phenomenal clock management, which is just something that a lot of coaches struggle with that, that gets overlooked. Uh, some other good news for the Dolphins. Hill is back, and he looks almost whole, fully healthy, and he's still one of the front runners in the MVP race, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know. You don't he's, still, so? I, he's still in the conversation, sure, but, I mean, I really don't know. A- after last night, Brock Purdy, I think, has definitely dropped out. Nobody's – I don't think anybody will vote for Brock Purdy after that game. Not, not I'm not saying he's bad or he's, he's trash or anything like that. We'll get we'll get just, to that one though later. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll talk about that. I think Christian McCaffrey is still is still a contender, and I think after last night, Lamar Jackson has has That's entered right. has entered the chat for sure. Yeah, bad news for the Dolphins is that I still don't consider them a Super Bowl contender. They don't convince me. It's a lot like the Jags, although I think that the Jags are a be- are I think that they're a better team than the Jags, but it's just something about them that it's just it's unconvincing. They're closer than the Jags are to that contending, but they just they don't convince me. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I don't I don't know if I think anybody in the and nobody in the AFC right now looks as good as the Ravens. Honestly, I think it's Ravens, and then for me, the Dolphins and the Browns are in the same in a similar conversation, similar category. You think and the, the the Bills on a good day? We just don't know what we're going to get for the Bills. We've seen a yeah. lot of bad Bills this year, and we've seen the Bills at their best. So. Yeah, having Josh Allen, yeah, that's nice. I think he's he's the great equalizer. We talked about having a, you know a great quarterback. You can win any any given game, but I don't I don't fear the Chiefs. Obviously, yeah, having the same it's the same thing with them. You have Patrick Mahomes, but you know where the Bills' offense we've seen them be great this year. We haven't really seen the Chiefs' offense be great outside of I, I think a win against the Bears earlier this yeah. season. Other than that, it's been it's been pretty tough. Tough sledding for this Chiefs offense. Yeah, moving on just really quickly to Eagles-Giants. Uh, the Eagles are not playing good football. I mean, I know that they won this game, but they got two weeks left to figure it out. They need not only a win, they need to dominate somebody. They need to – Swift is not a good running back for them, not for their scheme. Maybe if you want to use him on third and long, but he's not good enough between the tackles to run zone, and he's not good enough. And they just – that was what they were best at last year. Miles Sanders, that's the big difference, I think, between this team and the Eagles team last year is that their run game is so much worse. That's the I think that's the biggest difference on everything. Yeah, I, I agree that – and if you look at the box score – okay, so the final score, they only won by eight. It's 25 to 33. If you look at other stats, you know, by most metrics, they dominated this game. They won time of possession. They outgained the Giants by 200-something yards. So – on paper, it's it's like, oh, they killed them. But if you watch this game, this game was so much closer. And the final score was close. Like I said, they only won by eight points. Eight and and for the longest time, it was like the Giants were one play away from getting right back in it. And, you know, they get that pick six. That makes it close again. And, and then the Eagles turn it on for a drive, go down and score. But, again, it was like they did just enough to win this game. I, I agree that it was not, not a convincing win and things are not – Everything's not all fixed with the Eagles after a win against the Giants, where the Giants benched Tommy DeVito and had to put in Tyrod Taylor. Like this, yeah, it was, wasn't a pretty game by any means. Yeah, rest in peace, Tommy DeVito. Tommy, Moment of silence. Tommy DeVito. What, what did we say earlier? This that's that's been this season. Quarterback comes in, wins a couple of games. People get excited. He gets some. He had yeah, some he deal. I, I saw. It was funny right during this game. 
it's it was like a bunch of merch and different products that he endorsed. All the all the ads were up on my phone. So I'm watching the game. I see he gets benched, and then I open my phone, and it's him talking about you know he's the spokesperson for this spaghetti sauce. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm not making this up. Like I, I, that sounds bad, but I'm not making this up. This is what it was. And Barstool Sports or or somebody else is like selling this hoodie that's got says Tommy Cutlets and it's got the little hand thing and. <laughs> Like you guys are late. You late. You're late to the game. It's over. It's it's all over. He's he's back. He's on the bench. the The dream is dead. Yeah, that's pattern number one from this year. Pattern number two from this year is that as soon as you get talked about as the best team in football, you lose. Yes. So whoever the Ravens moving on to, 49ers <laughs> Ravens. Yep. Um, 49ers lost. Uh, game told us a lot. I'm not hating on Brock Purdy, but this is this mine's like cemented where I, what I had already kind of thought. He's never an MVP candidate. I mean, Sam Darnold threw a touchdown in one quarter, which Brock Purdy wasn't able to do in all three. Obviously, Ravens defense playing different at the end of the game because it's a situational thing, but still. And Purdy is a solid quarterback, best bargain quarterback in the league by far, but he's not the superstar. And this Ravens defense is really good, and quarterbacks have bad games. Yes, I've seen better quarterbacks have worse games, quarterbacks that I believe are better at least. Like, the four interceptions, yeah, it looks really, really bad. And the four interceptions, like, most of them were at least partially on him. But I'm not scared for this 49ers team. It was a rough game. But I think they can still go toe-to-toe with the Ravens if they played again in the Super Bowl pretty easily. Like, I have I have confidence that a, a, Super Bowl, a Super Bowl between these two teams would be a very close game. I agree, too. I think this game just got away from him early with the turnovers. It was, it was three interceptions quick. And it was interceptions after they had moved the ball. I mean, the 49ers were moving the ball. They were they were getting yards and then turning it over. They had, yeah, you know, some of them were tipped. But I mean, at the end of the day, you can't overcome four interceptions. You know, this game should have been way closer than it was. But yeah, just just got away from the 49ers. And then Trent Williams gets hurt. And then I think Trent Williams' backup got hurt. And then Purdy aggravated yeah. the stinger from last or week. Flyman get out or something. Yeah, it just it just got ugly. And and even after all that, they kind of made it interesting at the end uh, with the Sam Darnold touchdown. And and then they drove down the field again. Got down to the one. Yeah. Got down to the one. And then I didn't like the way they handled that with the decision to win, when they were deciding, deciding to throw the ball versus run the ball. And then Darnold takes a sack and throws an interception. Then it it was officially over, but yeah, I, I don't think this, this game shows that, Oh my gosh, the Ravens are so much better than the 49ers. I think it shows that, yeah, it's definitely closer. A, a lot of people thought the 49ers were, were buying away the, the best team in the NFL. Obviously, it's a lot closer than that, and, and the Ravens showed that they can play with anybody. Their defense is spectacular. Kyle Hamilton had another great game. Roquan, Roquan Smith was great. Um, and I think the Kyle Hamilton without, went out with a knee injury. Hopefully, it's not serious. The, the initial word is that it, it doesn't look too serious, but we'll wait and see on that. And then – like I talked about last week with with Lamar Jackson, yeah, his his stats may not be as as crazy as, as other players, but he's super effective and he plays winning football for the Ravens, and he's he's the perfect quarterback for them. And it's just his style; like he's so hard, he's so hard to stop because yeah, if, if you sit back in coverage, he's going to run around forever, and and he can take off or he can find somebody. And now he's at a point in his career where yeah, if, if you try to blitz him, he'll find the hot read. Like he's he's a playing playing the position at a really high level. And yeah, it's it's going to be tough for anybody to beat the Ravens if he's playing well with as good as their defense is too. Yeah, the Ravens look great. Amazing defense. I mean, individually, you look at all the guys in the linebacking court and in the DB room, Kyle Hamilton, Marlon Humphrey, 
Roquan, Patrick Queen, and you're like, wow, that's their strength. But, like, I'm pretty sure they either lead the league or they're second or third in the league in sacks. And it's like – so it's like the whole defense is just playing well. Yeah, uh, and it, it, they work hand-in-hand, hand, right? The coverage is great, so guys get sacks. And then there's other times where, yeah, the pressure gets there quick too. So, you know, I mean, that's a great defense, right? Everybody's Everybody's all working together. Yeah. Lamar still running extremely well, and he's passing better than he ever has in his career. Not running better than he ever has in his career. He's still one of the top three rushing quarterbacks in the league easily, but oh, he's, he's passing better than he ever has in his career. He's he's number one. Don't say top three. There's nobody There's nobody at quarterback who runs better than Lamar. If you take just Stop the it. ability Stop it. of Justin Fields, he's a okay. better runner than, than Lamar Jackson. Passing ability, not quite. No. You're saying you're saying Fields is 100% a better runner than Lamar? Is a slightly better runner than Lamar. I don't agree with that. I think Fields is great, and he had a great game running against the Cardinals. I thought, I, okay, I know we may not talk about that game, but if I could get a little, a little bit in here about Justin Fields, I thought he played well enough in this game and showed enough in this game that, and has throughout the past couple of weeks, that Fields should be back. Uh, aside from one interception late in the game where he was kind of getting greedy, I thought he was great. Really good throwing the ball and even better running the football. And I think the Bears need to build a team around running the football and playing good defense because that's what has always worked for the Chicago Bears. And I think it's what they should try to do uh, moving forward is build a great offensive line in front of him and, yeah, run the football and play good defense. But yeah, a little, I, little side note there. Sorry. Going back to 49ers-Ravens really quick, one last thought. Uh, yeah, the Ravens played a better game. Uh, that's very clear, very easy to see. Um, but I still believe that the 49ers are the better team. Oh, come on. And it's it's much closer than we thought. You're right. Are, are, who are you? Are you like Mike Florio's nephew or something? Come I on, think the, the 49ers are just the slightly better team. I look, dude, I don't I don't get caught up in any of that. They just played last night and the Ravens beat them. So as of right now, the Ravens are the better team. Simple better. as that. And because it because now that we have anointed them the best team in the NFL, they are guaranteed. Guaranteed to lose next week. I don't care if they play. Oh, no, they play Cardinals. somebody interesting. Who do they play? They play the Dolphins. Oh, they play the Dolphins. <gasps> Ooh, I don't know who I'm going to pick in that. I'm going to have to think about it. Are we getting to picks? Moving on to our Week 17 game picks, though. First up, Jets, Browns. Easy, Browns. I will take the Browns, yes. Second up, Lions at Cowboys. Kings of the wow. NFC North versus a team that has not yet won their division. I'm unfortunately taking the Cowboys. What? You can't do that, dude. You're not allowed to do that. I, I'm allowed to do that. You cannot pick against your team. What kind of no. fan are you? has to pick the Lions. I do not pick the Lions. That's ridiculous. I'm also taking the Cowboys because they're at home, but you can't pick. You can't not pick the Lions, dude. You're breaking the rules there. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't know you were an analyst before you were a fan. I am. Pathetic. Sorry. Pathetic. Dolphins at Ravens possibly game of the year type stuff. Don't want to get too ahead of myself because a lot of the games between good teams have been one-sided, but I'm going to take the Ravens in this one. I'm going to take the Ravens too, but like you said, if if the pattern follows, the Ravens are going down next week. This is a huge game. I mean, is this for – this is pretty much for the one seed in the AFC, right? No, the, Ravens, the Ravens will get it even if they lose. Really? Yeah, if they lose and then win the next week, I think that they still have it. But they're both – because so the Dolphins are ten and four right now, and the Ravens are oh are the Ravens twelve and three. There's both played the same amount of games. One second, sorry, eleven and three. What are they? No, okay, sorry. I think the Ravens 
the Ravens are twelve and three. The Dolphins are eleven and four. Yes, that's uh, right. Even if the Dolphins beat the Ravens, I think the Ravens still have a tiebreaker. But why they would have the they would have the head to head? That doesn't okay. make any sense. Maybe you're right. Actually, I think I think this has either way this has huge implications for seeding in the AFC. Yeah, and like because there's another game after this week. Yeah, I don't. I think the Dolphins are still at play for the one seed. They could still get it, so it's in their best interest to try to win this game. That's a funny thing to say. Obviously, it's always I think that's really funny too. <laughs> like the Cardinals this week want to lose, so I guess that's not. Except, yeah, until you're in that situation, and then it's no longer in your best interest to win a game. Yeah, moving on to uh, Falcons at Bears. I got the Bears in this one. A team that doesn't have you know as much to play for, but they want to get some wins. Fields played better as of late. I got the Bears. Hmm. I really like the Bears too. I'm I'm starting to buy into this team, especially after watching them against the Cardinals. Yeah, I'll take the Bears too. Raiders at Colts. Give me the Colts. Are you kidding me? After what you saw last week. Give me the Colts. So now not only are you disloyal, but you're also just a hater. I am. I'm a hater. It's an really, up, it is an upset pick. You are really falling in my book right now. No, it's not an upset pick. The Colts I also realized that the first eight games in a row I picked home teams now. The Colts are favored. Of 12 games. Holy cow, I picked a lot of home teams. Nope. I think we all know who I'm picking in this one. AP's boys. They're going to bring pain, violence, and discipline. To their new empire? Just like they did last week. Gardner Minshew is going to wish he had never played football in his life by the third quarter. Okay. Saints at Bucks. Big, <laughs> big playoff implications on this one. Because whoever wins, like, like, I mean, just straight up is. I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. If they win this game, I think they win the South Cemented. I want I want to pick against you really bad, but I also got to go with the Bucks. They've been they've been much more consistent throughout the season, and they're hot right now. Patriots at Bills. I got the Bills. I know the Patriots beat them early in the season, but yeah, I'll take the Bills. Panthers at Jags without Trevor Lawrence. I'm still Wait. taking the Jags, and it's close. You're a hundred percent sure that Lawrence won't play? No, but there's a pretty good chance that he doesn't. Hmm. You know, the Panthers really looked looked quite good last week by their standards. I think it was the best game that Bryce Young has had in his career. Oh, yeah, it was by far. And and that's good. You know, we, we talked about building momentum momentum into next season, and I was glad he had that game. This game is in Jacksonville. It's in Jacksonville. I'll take the Jags. Titans and Relu- Texans. Re- reluctantly taking the Jags there. Titans and Texans. C.J. Stroud is supposed to be back, and Nico Collins is back. I got the Texans in this one. I need the Texans to lose to help the Raiders' playoff chances. So I'm going to manifest the Texans' loss and pick the Titans here. 49ers at Commanders. 49ers. Yeah, I'll take the 49ers. Cardinals at Eagle. Sorry, Rams at Giants. I got the Rams. Yeah, I got the Rams too. Cardinals at Eagles. Eagles. I'll also take the Eagles. Steelers at Seahawks. Mason Rudolph <sighs> is the starter of this game. Uh, it already got announced that Pickett's not supposed to play. With all that being said, it's tough to pick the Steelers because when you watch them play football, it looks like they should be 0-16 right now. Oh, come on. Just get to your pick. But I'm pick- So I'm picking the Seahawks. I'm picking the Seahawks, too. They got back-to-back clutch performances from two quarterbacks, which is not easy to do in the NFL. It's not easy to have two game-winning drives back-to-back weeks with two different quarterbacks. So – I'll, I'll take Seattle. They got they got a little momentum right now. Chargers at Broncos. If Herbert was playing, I'd pick the Chargers, but they got nothing on offense without him. Give me the Broncos. Hmm. 
I'll take the Broncos. Again, I think that I think this is a coin flip that could go either way. Bengals at Chiefs could be an interesting one with how Kansas City has played as of late, but I'm taking Kansas City at home in Arrowhead to finally cement, unfortunately, their playoff berth. I'll take the Bengals. <laughs> Again, manif- manifesting. manifesting. I mean, honestly, either way, it's not bad for the Raiders. Yeah, if the Chiefs lose then the Raiders could are still at play to win the AFC West. And if the Bengals lose, that knocks them further down in the wild card and the Raiders move up. So it's really not bad either way for the Raiders, but I'll take Cincy. Packers at Vikings. Jair and Justin Jefferson, this will be a good game between them because it's always interesting to see those two guys go up against each other. I think they kind of hate each other at this point. Talked a lot of trash. Uh, and I got the Packers winning this one. Vikings are down bad to injuries. No Hawkinson. Uh, Jefferson's really you know, their only star left. So I got the Packers. Normally I would take the Packers, but I get a feeling, I just got this feeling that Brian Flores is going to make things very difficult for Jordan Love and the Vikings are going to find a way to win this game. And the Packers almost lost to the Panthers last week. It's true. That's that's not good. And the, their defense, the Packers defense as a whole, has been pretty bad. So I'm, I'm going to... We we gotta we gotta make some different picks here. We we have been way too aligned this week. So yeah, give me the Vikings. War, our our super fan Jack Van Warmer will be very unhappy with that pick. I'm sure. Well, he's unhappy either way. When He'll we be pick unhappy Packers, no matter who we pick. When we pick the Packers. He gets mad at us for not picking them more. And when we pick against them, I think yeah. we've truly made it because we officially have our first two haters in super fans Jack Warmer and Lucas Constantino. Maybe. 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 What happened to J-Rob? J-Rob kind of fell off. He was more... Yeah, off a cliff. Well, he was in one of the shows. Yeah, I mean, this guy that was, was a guest. Peak. That was his peak. And now, I don't need, he's not even commenting anymore. Come no. on, J-Rob. Where he'll, are you? He'll, he'll be back. I got as, Blink, as Blink-182 would say, where are you? Yeah, well, thank you for listening to Outside Source Football. Enjoy your new year, 2024. Start it off great. Eat something healthy. Go to the gym for about a week and then quit. Very inspiring, Evan. Thank you so much. Happy New Year.